five, four, three, two, one. This is News in Paradise. to the Movie Club Collective. This week we are doing Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And spoiler alert, we loved it. But loved also, it. <laughs> also spoiler alert, uh, we're going to spoil the crap out of it. So <laughs> we're going to try something a little different today. We're going to kind of go through the movie, not exactly step by step, but kind of beat by beat. And we'll talk about points as they come up. So just trying something a little different so that hopefully we don't kind of ramble too much and we hit all the points we want to hit. And we'll see how it goes and maybe give us some feedback. Uh, let us know. I'll start by introducing myself. I'm your host, John Olson. And joining me, as always, is my co-host and co-producer, Rochelle Racine. Welcome. Hello, guys. Welcome. Right at the top, quick shout out. Uh, happy birthday to my mom. It is her birthday today. So, happy birthday. Happy birthday. I hope you like the show today. All right. So I guess let's just get into it. Today we're talking about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which came out in the U.S. on December 14th. 2018. This movie was directed by three people, Bob Persichetti, Peter Ramsey, and Rodney Rothman. And it was written by Rodney Rothman and Phil Lord of Chris Miller and Phil Lord fame. So this movie kind of cleaned up at the awards. It won Best Animated Feature at the Oscars, the BAFTAs, you know, the British Oscars, and the Golden Globes. And it was nominated for like 70 plus other awards, many of which it won across like the whole thing. Just crazy good movie, right? Yes, super good. I loved it. I'm not really superhero-y type movies. We've talked about this before. That's not really my thing, except Batman. Sure. And um, <laughs> Spider-Man's like, eh, whatever. But I loved this. I would totally watch this. Rinse it. I would watch it over and over. This Happy you watched it. Everybody has their like superhero exception, I feel like. I know a lot of people who hate superheroes, but there's always like an exception. Oh. Batman is often that exception. This movie though, I think good regardless. I, yeah, regardless. My wife also not crazy about superhero movies. The exception, there's two exceptions to that rule. One is The Incredibles and the other one is this movie right here. Both the Incredibles is my, uh, an exception of mine as well. Yeah. I mean, a, yeah, a good movie, a tight script is just, it's a good movie, yeah. right? Before we get into synopsis, you wanted to talk a little music, right? Yes. So this is another film that the soundtrack was amazing. It was off the hook. <laughs> John, what were your favorite songs? The ones that maybe you listen to the most? Yeah. So as I was kind of chatting with you about beforehand, this movie introduced me to Post Malone. I guess I'm, maybe I'm not cool enough to have known who he is beforehand. Same. same. Yeah. But I, I like his stuff. Not all of his stuff, but I like some of his stuff now. And particular Sunflower is a great track. And like the way it's used in the film is brilliant. That was a lot of people's favorites that I asked around. And I really do believe it has everything to do with how it was used in the film. Yeah, it's really hard to separate kind of the tracks that you like from how they're used. Like my other favorite one is probably What's Up Danger, which is used near the finale. And like that sequence in general, kind of like a Goosebumps kind of thing. We'll get there. So I love that one. And there's there's a nice Black Alicious track in here 
here. I might not be cool enough to know who Post Malone is, but I am cool enough to know who Black Alicious is. And he's got a, a nice kind of little hidden, they just kind of slide it in there. And it's not really listed on any of the official soundtrack stuff that I could find actually. Uh, what about you? Well, I did love uh, Sunflower. And I always want to say that this was my first like delve into Post Malone. I knew who he was, like I've seen his face, you know, I'm not yeah. under a rock, but- It's a pretty yeah. recognizable face. Yeah, it's a very recognizable <laughs> face, but on him. So I wanted to go with that, but then I kind of saw like the major, I guess, fangirl for it. And I always have to be a little different. So I ended up choosing Start a Riot. Which is a great track. Yes, I, I really love like the intensity that it brings to the clip, the scene. Um, And then Memories, which was a way to me that they brought up like, you know, the good feeling. <laughs> It was a little bit of a roller coaster, right? You know, yeah. it's a superhero movie. That's what they do. And I really liked it, how it would like bring you back into good moments. La Familia is also a nice track that kind of highlights Miles's kind of personal diversity in the use of the soundtrack. Also just on soundtrack while we're on it, I just love that like every main character has their own theme music. Miles yeah. has kind of like the whole soundtrack, but then, you know, all of the different heroes and villains each have like their own independent identifying tracks, which is pretty pretty crazy considering how many characters are in this movie actually yes yes there, what is there five six spider-men so there's six spider-men and then there's like six main villains also yeah which is a spider-man reference of old in the sinister six all right so let's just get into it the, the movie opens with peter parker's spider-man we get the first comic book i made sure to write down all of the titles of the spider-man comics just because like they come at you so quick this and there's a purpose for them being put in there Right. There's a great purpose for them being put in there. I just want to say also, as we get into it, when I sat down for my second watch, I thought I was just going to like cursely go over it. And I wound up freeze framing damn near the whole movie. I have like seven pages of notes here that I wrote this thing. <laughs> Just because I started being like, oh, there's this and there's this and there's that. If you hear a little paper rustling... I do apologize. I'll try not to look at it too much. But yeah, seven pages. Uh, I just got, you know, I got kind of lost in it. I was like, oh, this is going to take longer than I thought it was. So I had a, the same experience, but it manifested differently. It was a lot and I loved it. And I mostly, when I watched it the second time, I lived in it and I didn't write down as much because I was uh, so into watching it and really studying it. Yeah, and this was your first time watching it, right? Like for well, the show, right? Yeah, for the show. So, I mean, the second time is what I'm referring to in this sure. situation. We watched the sh uh, the film twice, guys, before we uh, before we do the show. Yeah. Um, doing anyways, our homework. Yeah, we're doing a homework, and I enjoyed it more the second time. P.S. Yeah, I saw this in theaters and loved it. I kind of knew I was gonna like it early on. Just when I started hearing about how they were doing the mixed animation and like there's a mix of like 2D, like hand-drawn animation in there along with just like all the different styles. So I was kind of excited and like had high hopes going into this movie. And it just like, I love it. It's so rare when a movie breaks your expectations. Yes, very rare. To be honest though, I went in knowing that it was going to break my expectations because of the hype that was around it. You know, yeah. I've, I'm in my 30s. I have a lot of friends who have kids and they were taking their kid to see this and all of them were telling me, you need to go see this. And, and you know, I was like, this must be amazing. Yeah. If all my friends, parents. But I feel like a lot of times that hype kills it, right? Like sometimes you, it's like, yeah. oh, it doesn't quite live up, but... I do think this but one. this did. Yeah. This one <laughs> All right. So we get True Life Tales of Spider-Man. He's been Spider-Man 
for 10 years. We get a really kind of fun montage right off the bat. Like the 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 pacing in this thing is just so kinetic from the get-go. The montage goes over how Spider-Man Peter Parker got to yeah. that point in time. And they actually do give us, I wasn't sure on memory if they actually gave us the line from Uncle Ben, the great power, you know. In the beginning? Yeah. Like yeah, they did. With great power. And they, they do give it to us, which I think is great for an origin for Spider-Man. It's something that I feel like Homecoming tried to dodge so hard that they actually kind of missed out on the origin. Also, this Spider-Man... I just feel like is like while this movie does a whole bunch of new it also gives us the most quintessential version of Spider-Man like he's quippy you know he's he's, he's legitimately funny um it gives us his like this sort of flash forward comic as in humorous version of his story I, and it just plays off kind of what we all know about Spider-Man but also throws in like little changes so he's kind of the Sam Raimi Spider-Man, but he's yeah, also Spider-Man. Yeah, but he's also not. Uh, he's blonde-haired, blue-eyed for one. Although he does some of the things, they do happen a little bit differently. We get the idea that this is just like a very similar reality to the Spider-Man from the Raimi universe, which I like. Also, we get that like car dodging shot, which is a motif throughout the film. They do like a freeze frame on it here where he's like swinging through traffic and he like dodges between the cars. You know oh, yes, 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 yeah. Yeah, so that's a shot that like we see variations of again and again throughout the film. Okay. Um, and there's just so much of that like callback going on here. We get to our introduction of Miles, uh, played by Shameik Moore, who was in Dope. Did you ever see Dope? Years ago, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's kind of old now. It's a really good movie. He's very endearing in it. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dope is great, and Shmeek Moore. I feel like he's on a he's on a show. I forget. I looked it up, and then I I forgot. Sure. It's, it's not a show I watch, but I wish he would do more movies because then I would probably see him more. So we get him. You know, he's we're introduced to him in a way that I think is just immediately endearing, where he doesn't know the lyrics of the song. He's just such a kind of normal kid. His room is just like packed with stuff that is all about his character. Uh, something I noticed for later is that there's a, a poster of a super an unidentifiable superhero with a cape, kind of introducing us subtly to his love of the cape, yeah. which is something I like. And then we we start getting I don't know. This movie's just packed with information, right? Every moment. We get that he's from this mixed race family with his mom who doesn't get enough screen time. I feel like it's one mom. of the few, one of the few things where I wish there was a little more of was with the mom because she seems interesting, but we don't really get that much because yeah. it's spending so much time more with the father figures father. who Miles has a ton of i think just to kind of go off that really quick mm -hmm. i'm not a, a son but as a daughter at that age for me i had more had clashing with my mother you know and so i could see that having him with his father and it's just like another point of contention that you know yeah you know i i, I feel <laughs> okay. like this movie highlights how universal experiences can be it's like it's taken a character who, you know, there was like famously some backlash about uh, the idea of a black Spider-Man back in the day, like years before I this movie. So this is a fun thing, actually. We can kind of skip ahead a little. So there was like a whole thing with Donald Glover. Do you know about this? No. So Donald Glover mentioned that he would have liked 
to play Spider-Man and like he got like attacked online for it. Where like all of the racist people came out and were like, Spider-Man can't be black. And he was like, he was like, bullshit. (laughs) Don Clover has a great quote. You can find it on YouTube where he's like, you mean to tell me that uh, a black kid can't like photography, be into science and be from Queens? (laughs) Like like these are the things that are Spider-Man. And as a result- was this i'm sorry what's that this was oh time five six years ago something like that Um, sorry continue so yeah this was like pre this movie don glover actually went on to voice miles morales in like a straight to tv uh, like a tv movie cartoon and then he plays uncle aaron in spider-man homecoming so don glover has kind of this like relationship with spider-man and with this character and actually the artist who designed miles morales has cited him as inspiration for the character's look um so donald glover is kind of part of the the origin story of miles morales so actually this probably happened further ago than i'm saying further than five or six years ago it was still moderate like you know when we had the internet (laughs) basically yeah it was still on the internet but yeah it's a really kind of interesting roller coaster that they went on and now he's like too old to play miles morales but he's still like remained connected to the the source so we get miles uh we learn about his kind of like very quickly he's going to the new school uh we have the moment where he trips over his shoelaces and he falls in front of a car and this is a repeated thing there's so many things that are repeated in this movie i mean called back to so tripping over his shoelaces is one falling in front of cars is another so he almost gets hit by a car it turns out to be a cop car we have the reveal of his dad which is fun that and- part scared me at first i was like cop already like already <laughs> uh, but it's like supposed to do that right I feel like it gets you a little bit with the misdirect where it's like, he's in trouble. Oh no, it's his dad who's embarrassing and all that. I love how embarrassed he is of both of his parents. It's such a... Tell me I love you. (laughs) Right. And that's a nice setup for later too. I remember seeing this moment in the trailer, the I love you, because they used it in the trailer. And I just thought it was going to be like so cringing and that like I wasn't going to like the setup to this movie. And the execution of how it actually plays out, it's really, I really like. So we get to school. That's where we get that Black Delicious, by the way, where he did, he's got the chemical calisthenics song in there. Okay. Like right away I started, this is where I like really started freeze framing and like trying to see what's in there because the montage of the classes goes so fast and they're just throwing a lot of crap at you. There's a really nice quote on the chalkboard at one point of all men are mortal. It's like a Socrates quote that that they're studying on the board, kind of foreshadowing the death that's coming. You really picked through all of this. I love it. I'm just going to let you talk then. Yeah, I went a little crazy. Please do chime in though. Oh, Uh, no, I will, I will. Yes, yes. (laughs) Um, We obviously... so much right we get the great expectations and it's paired with um so we get it in class that he's like clearly setting this book and then we get it again when the teacher is going over his grades right he's like attempting to flunk out of the school because there is all this pressure on him to do well right the great expectation is like a very prominent theme and his teacher assigns him an essay she goes you're gonna tell me about what you want to be and at the top of his paper it says great expectations and it's such a nice kind of juxtaposition of theme where it's all the things that he thinks he's supposed to do at war with the things that he wants to be and it's like how he can marry these two things right i bet we can all relate we can all relate 
Also, uh, before that paper assignment, we do ha we do meet Gwen Stacy in class, and like we meet Gwen Stacy, and in the background there's a lecture going on about parallel universes, and we're meeting uh, Liv from later in the movie, uh, Doctor Olivia, whose name is artfully uh, obscured. Yes. Yes, and she's not in the physical classroom. She's like right. in a they're, education. Yeah. Right, they're watching a video about her her science lab studying parallel universes. And like, I was just kind of when I was rewatching, just going like, I can't believe how many things this movie is doing at one time. So it's introducing us to the exposition. It's introducing us to Gwen Stacy, and like, they immediately have a relationship where she's the only one who laughs at his joke, and he's having a hard time connecting to people. Like, we're just getting so many things happening at once. We're like not even ten minutes in the film, and we already have been introduced to multiple spider-men the idea of parallel universes it's just it's kind of crazy we know a ton about miles and his background that he was in like one of these lottery programs to get in the school it's like we're just That's normal for manhattan right that was kind of i was like what <laughs> i didn't oh uh, yeah so this is this is the thing right in not just manhattan but like major major cities uh all across the states but like manhattan's known for it uh chicago as well they have these programs where they take in minority students via lottery oh, and okay. so parents will like you have to test in and then you have to get lucky and it's like a way for you to go from inner city school program to you know like a prestigious kind of academy so this is a real thing and it kind of also just like highlights yet another social issue very subtly and like very smoothly well i think well yeah every the way it does things in this movie is just like flawless it's like butter so he has the assignment and he's thinking about what's expected of him he's like crammed between the books right and then right. it's like well who do you want to be and it cuts to, to biggie it cuts the biggie track and our introduction to uncle aaron well used biggie track well used biggie track just like great look at the city suddenly we go from topside to like underground and that was a cool transition i like that yeah there was a lot of like just these segues are, are very well done so when we're introduced to aaron we get one a bunch of combat gear so it's it's already kind of telling us that he's like who aaron is he's the cool uncle compared to his dad's uptight cop also when we first see his apartment we get a shot of uh, television and there's an episode of community on tv where donald glover has on the spider-man costume oh. um, fun fact we've been re-watching community at my house here and we literally watched the episode that this clip is from last night oh wow is that how you like determine no i just i knew i had read that donald glover was in the scene somewhere and so i was like watching for it and then i i showed brianna and she was like Oh, that's the episode we just watched. <laughs> like she pointed it out. So it was Thanks, Brianna. <laughs> yeah, complete coincidence, but a fun one. That's funny. So he's like the bad boy. They go down into the sewers so that he can he can do Oh wait, I skipped over the shoulder touch. Oh yeah, that's huge. We get introduced to the shoulder touch. This is another kind of three peat setup. Uh we kind of get Miles isn't that cool with the ladies, but, you know, he wants to be cool. This is another thing where he's kind of, like, looking up to his uncle. He has so many father figures in this movie. Uh, it's just, like, chock full of them. He's got at least four. <laughs> We we get the we get the shoulder touch where he's... It's just so silly where he just puts his hand on his shoulder and goes, Hey. And every time Miles does it, he looks ridiculous. Oh, Uncle Aaron also played by Mahershala Ali, the amazing, incomparable Mahershala Ali from such things as moonlight where he won his oscar 
and season three of True Detective we'll throw out there. So they go down under the ground and Aaron knows a secret spot and they, yeah, and they start tagging. So we learn that like Miles, while he's good in school and he's scholastically prepared, he likes kind of this art and he's like got these stickers that he tags around the city. And there's a nice one. They write no expectations. He's kind of giving into his rebellious side. There's a nice shot where he stands on Uncle Aaron's shoulders. And this is the shot that's yeah, repeated. That's a beautiful shot. Yeah, and it's a shot that's repeated later with his dad. There's just there's just so much of this kind of thematic symbolism going on constantly. We get the nice montage of while he's tagging, the spider is being kind of dangled in front of us that it's going to bite him. Yeah, like it, you get teased throughout this scene of like, okay, this radioactive spider, now it's in a shoe, now it's on his sweater, now it's in his sweater, you're right. just waiting. Yeah, and we know that he's going to be <laughs> Spider-Man. Like from the moment yeah. we're introduced... Chris Pine's Peter Parker says Spider-Man and then it cuts to Miles. Like, it's very obvious that he's yeah. Spider-Man. And also, we know going to the movie that it's about him. Yeah. So that's a nice thing. And I, I just love that joke where he's where he just goes like... Yeah, <laughs> just, I know. Like, he just hits it off. <laughs> and then, like, walks away. Doesn't say anything about it. I know. They make this huge deal out about it and then they just kind of blow it off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's no big deal. Like Yeah, it's just like, oh, damn it. And it's arachnophobic. Yeah, which we learned that he's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very quickly. So then he goes to bed and like has this sort of like can't sleep well montage, which the thing I, I highlighted when I was going through it was that there is a Spider-Man comic book on the desk just kind of waiting to be discovered later. Which he does. Which he does, but it's yeah, nicely like it's nicely planted. We don't really get to know the roommate, but my brother-in-law who's in college said that it was a very relatable scene and that his roommate I, would stay up. I was curious about that because I didn't do the typical college dorm. Yeah, me neither. Mine was more similar to the show community than it was to this. <laughs> so... Then the next day we meet Gwanda, which I love that scene with Gwen where she introduces herself as Gwanda because he's having his own moment where he's like sweating and why am I sweating? But she's having her own stupid moment where she's trying to blend in and thinks she's failing to do so. On a rewatch, it's so good because she's she's in her own movie, you know? Yeah, completely. When the first time I watched that to touch off that. I thought she was like just uninterested and being like, I'm telling you something for you to go away, <laughs> you know? And then upon the second watch, you realize it's because she's not used to this universe. Yeah, she's got her own agenda and she's like trying to yeah. hide herself. But then it's like, does she even need to? Like, she doesn't even know, right? We get the hair thing where his hair sticks and she tells him the same thing that Peter later tells him. She's like, yeah. well, just relax. Yeah, yeah. So she clearly knows. And given the experience that we have later where they can always tell, this is such a good foreshadow moment. This is like a really good rewatch moment. Yeah, it's beautiful. Where yeah. Gwen Stacy is like being very well set up without us kind of realizing it. <laughs> I love that joke that kind of comes just a little later after they buzz his hand off of her hair and he runs into the guard who's like i know you snuck out last night and he goes play dumb who's morales <laughs> not that dumb <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so good <laughs> so good um real quick did you say the actress that played gwen oh i did not uh it is Haley seinfeld i knew her from true grit did you ever see that movie no she's great she's like a little kid in true grit but she's phenomenal apparently she has a booming music career also at this huh. point Okay. Yeah, she's like pop star slash phenomenally talented actress. You know, just one of those people you 
should hate okay. because they yeah. do it well, all. Well rounded, no big deal. Yeah, just eh, good at everything. Great. <laughs> good, <laughs> good for you, Haley. <laughs> True Grit, though, if we ever get around to that one, she she delivers a great great performance there. I also like that the Christmas album comes back. So in the opening montage, Peter mentions that he's on a Christmas album. Oh and, yeah, 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 yeah. And then in the janitor's office or the security rather the security guard's office, we hear the Christmas album again, and it'll come back. Of course, in the closing credits, we'll hear it like a third time so they're just like constantly like planting jokes and then following up on them we then get miles's comic book cover and it is the two spider-men is what it's called it's labeled like a like it's a special issue or something so it's the two spider-men just fun and i like that it's we are we are like firmly in his origin story now. From the moment he gets bitten, we start getting the comic bubbles and we start getting the like Yeah, that's when it's like, okay, we're in a comic book. Yeah. Yeah, it becomes very it becomes very comic. We start getting I just I, I love when they like write out the words to things. The car yeah. that again he almost gets hit by a car and this time he like lands it. When the car almost hits him though, literally the word screech is written uh, under the tire. Uh, there's just like wonderful yeah, things. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. My thing is, okay, I loved that. I want to be very clear about that. But people mm-hmm. were saying that when this first came out that like this movie for animation I'll agree is like the first of its kind as far as like the comic book immersion mm. what's that movie with what's Scott Pilgrim versus the world so to me it wasn't like groundbreaking because I've seen Scott Pilgrim versus the world but I haven't seen it in an animation yeah which is also a comic book adaptation right 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 yeah. but I didn't know that this was first of its kind for animation because I don't get into this stuff so that was nice to know that like, okay, it was, yeah. Some people did seem like they were kind of bothered by the animation. Like I read a lot of stuff like that when it came out. And I think it's because of the way they do the focus. So when things are out of focus, they literally like have a color shift where like there's like, it's almost like the 3D glasses look, right? Where there's like red yeah, yeah, yeah. on the inside blue. And they, they, so they do that look and it's very intentional. And also they do like a 12 frames per second thing. So particularly when it's high action, the frames, there's just less frames per second so that you're actually seeing the images a little bit longer and it's more framey so that it is kind of more like comic book panels. So these were like kind of intentional choices that they did with the animation to try and add kind of that layer of comic book feel. I do, yeah, I do think we're probably, I'm probably taking way too long with the synopsis i'm i just glanced at the time and we're already a good half hour into the show which well, we, were... we can let them figure out the end then the, yeah we were hoping that like the reason it's taking so long for him to get through the synopsis in the beginning is because they are like chucking information at you the whole time yeah just so like once the climax comes to break like, it down it's you're just like, oh, they're doing this and this and this at once. And the movie just moves. It's just yeah. like boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, he he goes to investigate the spider. I'm going to kind of rush through it. I'm going to see if okay. I can't do it a little bit more by memory. So he goes to rush through the fighter and he meets Peter Parker, who's fighting a very monstrous and large version of the Green Goblin, which is kind of just like a fun, different version. And we are introduced to a large Hadron Collider style machine. Clearly that that's something, the Particle Smasher is something in the zeitgeist that they're playing with. And we discover that the villain, who is the Kingpin, who's like played by, uh, voiced by Leave Shriver, 
in an unrecognizable role with his crazy accent, with his crazy... What, what kind of accent is that? Is it a Brooklyn accent? Yeah, that's what yeah. I thought. I but think it's a Brooklyn. Not, yeah, um, I thought it was Brooklyn. We, I'm not too versed in the borough accents. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're introduced <laughs> to the idea of parallel worlds again and that this collider is is smashing worlds together and spider-man's like it's gonna destroy everything it's gonna create a black hole under brooklyn this spider-man again is very quippy and he's very funny while he's fighting which is nice a thing i wrote down is we get a view on the computer screen of six different universes it highlights it goes do 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 on like yeah. these little circles and they're all numbered so we have and i wrote them down so we have they're all like e dash so it's earth uh the one that we're in is earth 1610 for reference there is an earth 616 which uh is a reference to the comics one of them is labeled earth 616 i think that might be the primary marvel line i'm not sure but there's also a reference to it in the most recent live action spider-man movie where mysterio calls it earth 616 even though he's just like making it up so there's kind of these fun parallels there's okay. earth, there's earth 65 earth 8311 14 so it's 14,512, and then there's a <laughs> 90214 which i looked up the zip code and it's right when the zip codes go from California to Indonesia, of all places. So what? I was I was like, that's for sure a California zip code. So there's a 90210, there's a 90211, there's a 90212, and a 90213, but there's no 90214. Whoa. So that's kind of a fun thing. I just kind of did my own little research on that just to see that's what fun. came up. Good find, John. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> and... Spider-Man's like in the middle of a fight and he gets his head dipped in and we actually get flashes of all of the different spider people here. So we get Spider-Gwen and, and yeah. Noir and the pig. I had no idea what was happening in that scene. Right. There's such <laughs> a rewatch time. moment. Right? Yeah, I was like, what? what? <laughs> What's even happening? Yeah, uh, but it's very trippy, right? It's like yeah. <laughs> blasting colors in your face and it's got yeah. kind of uh, shades of the Doctor Strange movie. When he like experiences the multiverse, yeah. it does yeah. have kind of a, a thing like that going on. So Miles runs into Spider-Man. Spider-Man saves him from a fall. And then he immediately recognizes that he's another spider person. They have that moment where he's like, oh, you're like me. And then... Uh, well, apparently they can like... Well, well, at least Gwen, she said she could like feel it. Yeah, they have the spider sense. Which yeah, the is, which is not particularly well explained. It's just some kind of a danger sense that they have. And yeah. they establish right here, but then they repeat it later on that whenever they contact each other, like whenever they're close to each other, they can tell that the other person also has it. Yeah. Like there's like this weird feedback resonance or something, which I thought was a nice little, a nice little gimmick, even if it like logically does it make sense. I don't know. But it's a does a man bit by a spider becoming half spider fighting crime at night make sense? No. Uh yeah. <laughs> so why should that other thing make sense? Makes Whatever. perfect sense. That what man makes sense. And then uh there's a big explosion and everything goes from like ultra colorful to just like monochrome. I love that shift in the look where we, we can tell that Goblin is dead, and then the unthinkable happens and Spider-Man gets killed. So Miles witnesses Spider-Man's death, and it's very brutal at the hands of Kingpin. And then there's a chase. We get one of the Kingpin's henchmen, Prowler, who has the best music as far as, like, the character music. I just love... He's got the, like... Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah. It's so good. Um, so spoiler alert, it's Uncle Aaron. What I, I knew it. I, can I just say that I knew that immediately? You recognized it right away? I recognized it. I mean, of course. It's like the perfect thing to write in. I was like, this is Uncle Watch. But right. it was. <laughs> it's a good move. Uh, what yeah. I like is that they they hide. They don't just hide really well, but they justify him not recognizing Miles by using yeah. the like heat sense thing that he's got yeah. going on. I thought that was really clever on a rewatch that he because if he recognized him, he would just be like, oh, I'll just go where he lives. And yeah. Yeah. Story over. Also, I knew that he wasn't the uncle was into something when they were painting underground when they were doing the original tagging and he got yeah. Miles hit by the spider. I knew it. I was like, that fool is into some dirty business. Yeah. And. and <laughs> The company is Alchemax, and Alchemax is all over the place. So we see that logo there. If you're paying attention, you can find it planted just oh, kind okay. of everywhere. It's in the video where Liv talks about the parallel universes, and then it's on, like, the gear down in the subway. And Alchemax is the company that Kingpin runs. Spider-Man dies, and we are now introduced to a world where there's no Spider-Man, and there's only Miles, and he's just, like, thoroughly unready. Yeah. Uh, I, he doesn't know how to control his powers, obviously. He's right. never had a mentor to teach him, you know? Um, He's given a mission and a MacGuffin. You know what a MacGuffin is? No. Okay, so a MacGuffin is a really common term in film. It's just a plot device. It's an item that is used as a plot device. To, it's something that drives the plot forward. So the goober, the like little USB stick, is our MacGuffin. Okay. So he's, okay. Give, he's given the MacGuffin and his mission... But it's like an impossible mission, right? I love the scene where he goes to jump off the building. Yeah. It's, it's a nod to the old Spider-Man movies for sure. And it's also just like good comedy where he goes to the really high one and then they cut to the stairs where he's going yeah, down the stairs. Yeah, he's going down. Well, first he goes up the stairs and then he comes back down the stairs. And then he goes up the stairs to the smaller building. Yeah. It's right? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's so good. He falls... And he, like, completely eats it on this jump. He, like, falls. He hits, like, a flagpole. Uh, when he falls, he... It was a very cartoon fall. Very cartoon fall. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, he's he surrounded, you'll notice, by the numbers four and two. And the number 42 comes up a lot. This is a Jackie Robinson reference, if you don't know. Jackie Robinson was number 42 on the Dodgers. He was the first black baseball player. Ah, uh, okay, okay, okay. You know, you can make, you can draw the parallels from there. But 42 is thrown around a lot, largely because of that reference. Um, See, I don't know about these things. <laughs> I that, like this. <laughs> now you know. Yeah, now um, I know. I'm learning so much today, you guys. <laughs> maybe we should watch the Jagger Ramsey movie at some point. There is one. Okay. Um, uh, what's the name? Black Panther, right? So we meet then, like... He breaks he breaks the the USB port. So not only is he not in control of his powers, but like he can't even do the mission. And then we meet Peter B. Parker. He meets him in the graveyard at Peter Parker's gravesite, and we get our third comic book. And this is the Amazing Spider-Man, which is the original Spider-Man comic. And he's been at it for 22 years, and we get a little bit of view from his world. And the big immediate noticeable difference is that his world is much similar to ours. Coca-Cola is a brand that is highlighted and juxtaposed against Coca Soda in Miles's universe. So it's just kind of highlighting the differences. So Peter B. Parker's universe is more similar to ours. And he is like the OG version of Spider-Man. He but he's had time to age and he's he's been at it for considerably longer. He has a gut. It's great. <laughs> Just kind of throwing that out there. 
to give you a sense of place of where we are with this character. Yeah, he wakes up in Times Square and like everything's different. And I want to kind of take this moment to just point out some of the things that I spotted in terms of differences. They have a lot of fun with the differences in the parallel realities. Like Coca Soda, obviously, is one. But there's a bunch of other brands that are like our brands, but different. So there's Planet Inglewood, which is shown a bunch of times instead of Planet Hollywood. That's hilarious. Shout out. Um, our family is from Inglewood. Yeah, yeah. My yeah. dad, uh, My your, aunt. your aunt. Uh, are yeah both grew up in Inglewood, so that's a fun one. That is uh, a fun one. There's uh, the New York Red Sox is the baseball team, so that's fun. That is fun. Uh, there's Red X instead of FedEx. Uh, Il Gionale is Starbucks. Uh, I, and I read that this was actually the original name of the Starbucks company. Really? And that they later rebranded to Starbucks. But it's easier to say. Right. <laughs> Uh, and I think well, there's fine. a no I think there's a number of those actually where the original name is used instead of like a rebrand. Uh, I know Google's in there somewhere, but I couldn't find it on this particular watch. It's just there's so much coming at you. Uh, there's some there's a poster for baby shower, which looks exactly like the poster for bridesmaids. It's kind of a fun one. You saw a lot of good ones. I did not notice any yeah. of that. One that my brother-in-law caught was a Broadway ad for Hi Hello, which is matching Oh Hello, which is a show that John Mulaney was in. And John Mulaney uh, is the voice of Spider-Pig. So he was yeah. he was in this show on Broadway like when this was being made. And so they put up an alternate version of it that has... Uh, I think it even says John Mulaney on the poster. It's hard. It's a little hard to read, but you can kind of make it out. There's uh, Peekaboo instead of Snapchat. I loved Water Polo by EA Sports instead of like soccer or something. It's Water yeah, Polo. That was funny. I did see that one actually. I was like, fine. <laughs> yeah. Stephen Curry is a famous golfer in this world. Uh, also. Yeah. <laughs> Right, uh, I I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb and guess that Steph Curry must have played golf at some point in his life, and that that's why they picked golf, because they yeah. they've done a lot of that throughout this movie. And the last one I'll mention is there's a ad for Clone College. Did you ever watch Clone High, the no, show? No, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. So Clone High was a show on MTV where they had cloned versions of historical figures like Abraham Lincoln and Cleopatra. and. That sounds fun. Yeah, a bunch of others. I think maybe. And MTV had a good TV, so. Right. And this show was made by Phil Lord and Chris Miller who were like okay. the producers of this movie. So okay. in this alternate universe, that show went on to have a feature film called uh, Clone College. Okay. So I thought that was a nice little nod. That's a nice nod. All right, we won't waste any more time on those, but they are fun. We, uh, we then get to meet kind of Peter B. Parker, who's initially reluctant to join us, but Miles kind of guilts him into it a little bit. And I love there's like this bit where Miles is like, you can teach me how to web sling. And then they're on the bus. He's like, you got to yeah. save your energy. And the bus is actually a really nice plot device to allow the characters time to talk to each other. Yes, it's actually, yes, I agreed. It's beautiful. I yeah. did catch that, <laughs> thankfully. They take it a lot, like, on the way back and yeah. just around. Even, like, throughout the city, they take it, like, as a crew when they all meet. Yeah, like, near the end, when there's, like, all six of them, you see them yeah. all getting off of a bus to head to the final mission. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No. It's such a, it's like such a good joke, but also 
a really smart that, device. We do the Alchemax bit. There's a really nice joke in there where Peter Parker's like, uh, we'll find the, the head scientist and there's like an old man in the frame and he's like, oh, it's her in the background. We saw yeah. her from the video. And he's like, all right, step two, reassess my biases. And step three, <laughs> we'll move on. He tells Miles to, there's the cape joke. I mentioned earlier, but we won't linger on that where he's like, no capes. But he tells Miles to stay behind. And then Miles sees Kingpin show up to the lab while Spider-Man's in there. And he immediately goes to chase him. And I just love how this played out because in so many movies, this is the moment where we just keep the tension going of like, no, you shouldn't be here. I, you know, like he's very resistant. But this is actually the moment where Peter B. Parker just like, fully gets on board with miles and from this point forward he's just like he loves he loves the kid he's like you know because he, he's like crawling in the vent and miles just like crams in the vent with him and he's and he's like what he's like oh it's just kind of nice actually to have somebody who wants to help me and he feel and he expresses that he feels guilty about the first peter parker dying which just kind of like endears him to peter b parker there's there's just like little things in here where they demonstrate kind of how smart spider-man is which i i love is a thing about his character that he's always been a, a smart character is that like Liv types the code in really quick and he immediately memorizes it he's like yeah, got it yeah. and it's ridiculously long and you haven't seen it <laughs> right but, and no rhyme or reason but then he gives it to miles and miles is like wait wait it's too much it's too fast and miles remembers all but the last two digits yeah like yeah. he's also really and so i like how they use it to demonstrate also that miles is on kind of that same level that peter yeah. parker's on he's just Which a little less experienced drives home that i mean Yes, it showed the inequalities, but it drives home like why he was in this school. Yeah, like clearly he didn't win for no reason. Yeah, is that okay? Is that okay to say? He's ex he's of exceeding intelligence, I would there say. There we go. He is of exceeding. He's above average intelligence, right? Uh, he's a smart kid. We got the reveal of the scientist who we've seen from the video who introduced us to the parallel worlds in the first place. There's a nice moment where she seems like she's going to be a good guy. And then she's like, I can't wait to study you. Or... And then she's Doc Ock, you guys. Yeah. So a nice, we have a, a gender bent Doc Ock. And right before the, the reveal, talking about pausing every two seconds in this movie, Movie, there is a mechanical octopus arm on the science table and it's just yep. like it's blinking you miss it but it's yeah. there just kind of teasing you in case you rewatch it letting you know that like we're smart we, <laughs> we went over the script we introduce one of miles's new powers that he can be invisible and he's like oh it's kind of like a fight or flight thing why did he get that though and no one else i don't know i guess the writers just want to do something different i ain't mad about that i just want to know if there was a reason i didn't know there might be in the comics. I don't I don't know. He's I've never just... read a comic period, like any single one in my life, let alone a Spider-Man one. So I don't know. I read a couple of these issues back when I was yeah. at Barnes and Noble, just like wasting time on the floor from the, the actual like Spider-Man crossover issue. Okay. But yeah, he's got, he's invisibility and he's got like the electric touch which we actually already discovered when he like zapped peter b parker on their first meeting we do this whole escape there's a really good joke with the bagels oh yeah when he throws them okay fun fact about that one is that was like yeah it's a joke but like it was a jokingly suggested to put in the film by one of the screenwriters and it was like supposed to be like throw away like you know 
taken the piss out of the guy basically and they yeah. used it <laughs> there's by the way there's three bagel jokes right in a row first there's like the selecting the bagel which he listed in his plan then there's as they're running away and the scientists are like chasing them with guns someone yells he's got a bagel and, <laughs> and then he chucks the bagel and it's like bagel, bagel. It, hey, i was just like so many bagel jokes bagels. yeah so many I bagel jokes uh, it's so good. I think I did hear that that trivia that you mentioned there. That's a good. That's a good little bit. Knowing knowing your audience and trolling them always a good. <laughs> we love being trolled. Always a good we? moment. Then we're 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 formally introduced to Spider Gwen, who saves them in the forest again. Though it's just the like doing is new haircut. But we're also like. This is where Peter B. Parker starts actually training Miles. Like, he's given him a few pizzas of, like, sarcastic advice up to this point. But he actually starts kind of training him here. And then we're introduced to Spider-Gwen. Her comic is called Spider-Gwen, and she's been at it for two years. We get to know her more on the bus ride back, like we mentioned earlier. And then she's like, I've got an idea where we should go. And they go to Aunt May's house. Which Miles doesn't know, but obviously both Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy would know where that is. I like this scene just because when Peter and May see each other, they're both looking at a ghost, essentially. May has just lost Peter Parker, and Peter mentions that May died also. So they're both kind of like looking at someone they've lost. It's kind of a nice moment that they have. This movie just like peppers in all these kind of wonderful, tender moments in amidst the jokes and amidst the action and like the good planting. It just somehow does it all. So then we meet the rest of the spider gang and the advertisements for this movie were all like tons of spider people. But the way they do it is actually very palatable where you've got the three main spider people and then there's your three like side spiders. And the side spiders were they were like the fun ones no like yeah it's not yeah like there's the pig who's hand drawn by the way john and i were geeking out about that earlier and animation yeah missed art lost art um and then yeah it is sad and then the 19th it was 1930s spider-man right where he's like 30 yeah 30s correct because he's fighting he fights nazis yeah 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 i kind of got like a dick tracy vibe from him too i don't know voiced by nick cage Cage. every Um, line he has is gold also yeah it is it is and then there was the anime one which yeah penny parker yeah this is a real like these are all actual comics yeah these are all actual comics yeah yeah um so i of course like i said didn't know that but i loved their introductions and i loved their characters and it was very cool that they were based on real comics well you mentioned that like miles has like weird powers compared to the other spider-man but like well i didn't mean those three but like (laughs) Penny Parker has way, like, she doesn't even seem to have super strength or anything. Right. She's just, like, a smart scientist with a mech and can exactly. talk to a spider. Yeah. So hers is, like, really weird. But it's so, it's fun. Has, like, like her- that would be, like, psychic abilities, no? Yeah, yeah, she has, like, psychic abilities. So she's got the spider sense, essentially. Yeah, but she doesn't have the strength or the webbing or... Yeah, everything. she doesn't use that other yeah. stuff. Instead, she has a giant robot, which is fun. Spider controls? I guess so. yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's how it how it goes. But she also like works at it like it's a computer. And Penny Parker is important because she rebuilds our MacGuffin. She rebuilds the goober, as mm-hmm. a Spider B Parker calls it. Which I love that that he's just like, ah, eh, it's a goober. It's whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I call him. <laughs> yeah, he's like, there's always something like that. He really like hangs the lantern on it. We get them, and they're just kind of introduced to us as a unit, and it just kind of highlights the zaniness. But it's done in such a way that it's not overwhelming. 
right? They are kind of like always a thing that we experience as a group for the most part. I thought it was really smart. Like they don't really have character arcs, whereas like the three main spider people have character arcs. So Peter B. Parker has to fix his relationship with Mary Jane, or he has to like kind of grow up a little bit, right? He has to mature so that he can apologize to Mary Jane and like get back together with her. Gwen Stacy has like issues with not wanting to make friends and so like her and miles become friends to make up for that and then miles obviously has like the biggest arc so i like that they do these kind of like if you looked at it on a graph it'd be like a big arc a smaller one a smaller one and then like three tiny ones yeah. uh <laughs> Did because Penny lose the spider? Her spider? She loses the mech, but she keeps the spider. Okay, like, that's right, that's right. Yeah, she loses the mech in the final battle, but she, she keeps the spider. She can just rebuild the mech. Yeah, she can just rebuild him. <laughs> There's like a sad moment, but I was like, she can just rebuild that robot. <laughs> she can mourn it, you know, that was her yeah. unit of like, transportation. If the spider had died, I would get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, I think that's why I thought the spider died, because I remember it being like, you should be sad right now, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> like learn her with her all of the extra dimensional spider people are like dematerializing slowly and we're like a big ticking clock is put on that we're all gonna they like glitch yeah they start glitching and so it's like they're all gonna die if we don't do something and they're like somebody has to stay behind and i love how they just all immediately volunteer like all the spider people kind of have the same mentality and miles is like i'm the obvious choice but they're like, you're not ready. And they just kind of like beat the crap out of him. In a joking way. Yeah, but they're so brutal to him. And then uh, I love when Spider Noir's like, you know, we're talking about him while he's looking at us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like they're all just like, he doesn't got it. He's not ready. And the Spider-Man turns <laughs> and he's like, he's looking right at us while we talk about him. <laughs> He does have the best lines. Like, every line is great. It's just, yeah, they're all classic. They're so Some of them are so ridiculous. Yeah, Miles can't control his powers. He leaves the group. He kind of runs off. And he, he goes to the person he's gone to before. He goes to Uncle Aaron's house, where it's revealed that he's the Prowler. And everything is kind of upside down. Again, there's, like, a car hits him. <laughs> like, there's constantly cars flying at people in this movie. It's yeah. kind of like in Mean Girls, where they're, like, the always, yeah, with the bus they're foreshadowing this movie is doing that a lot as well constantly throwing cars at miles there's like a lot though like yeah this time he like narrowly <laughs> dodges some cars and they like roll over him but i love how like shell-shocked miles is by it you know he's doing these like kind of crazy things but he's shaken there's very human emotion going on there he runs back and inadvertently leads the enemy to aunt may's house where we have a big showdown and they use the goober as kind of like a plot device for the fight i think that's always a good way to do fight scenes where you're not just fighting you're fighting over something they're trying to yeah. all get their hands on the thing that can stop the enemy they have an objective to their violence yeah it gives it some direction and you can kind of have a little more fun with it aunt may gets a nice little scene where she's kind of a badass. She like even bats somebody out of the house. She was my favorite. She's great. <laughs> like my favorite featured character. <laughs> yeah. Voiced by Lily Tomlin, who's great. And then we kind of hurtle towards the finale. Oh, I can't skip over the last big death in this movie. So Prowler corners Miles and then Miles reveals himself. To his uncle and prowler's like ah shit he's like man why did it have to be have to Money. be you they have that moment and i gotta say one of the most chilling moments in the whole movie is when his uncle pulls the mask back over his face like he's gonna murder i him. thought 
I thought he was going to murder him. I was like, you, <laughs> but then he didn't. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't really get the chance because Kingpin yeah. straight up shoots him. And then Kingpin has killed everybody important to Miles that dies in this movie. He's like really put up as the ultimate villain in that he's actually the one kind of murdering everybody we kind of skipped over kingpin's motivations but he does have pretty clear motivation yeah yeah and i mean they're almost endearing like there's a part yeah. of me that was like i get why you're like i understand his motivations and his objective and it's like you almost empathize with him basically he's trying to get his family back right but what what i find interesting about it because yeah the motivation is pretty tried and true and there is some interest there though where he fails to learn the lesson it's that he his family discovered him like beating the crap out of spider-man and they got afraid of him and they ran away and they left him and then they got hit by a car again people getting hit by cars something about this movie and rather than like change his ways he just blames spider-man right he externally he like fails to own up to his own flaws and that is kind of his fatal flaw well i mean okay so villains are psychotic and insane that's just the way of the world right Right. and the way of storytelling and so it would make sense that he would keep doing the same thing expecting different results over and over and over again right but he is a character that like could in theory have a redemption arc yeah he he could if he had left it because of his past (laughs) but he's insane and he's not learning yeah. lesson Instead, i was honestly expecting a character i was expecting a character arc from him honestly i don't know much about the comics again so i didn't know that he was like a big enough uh villain in the comics like i knew who doc ock is yeah. pretty popular villain i didn't know about him in the um, in the comics kingpin is one of the like key marvel villains so he features prominently in spider-man and he features prominently in daredevil okay. and in fact in the netflix daredevil show kingpin is like kind of the main villain in okay. the series overall played by vincent d'onofrio to great effect and vanessa is a character that's explored in that show a lot so here okay. she's just kind of referenced as his wife and he has a kid but in that show they actually like kind of dig into it that's a good show i think it's it's pretty decent maybe you won't watch it but that one also digs into kingpin a lot he is kind of one of these the idea is he's the kingpin of crime right he's like yeah that means yeah the head honcho and i do love how cartoony and ridiculous he look he's just so huge and he's just like this blob of darkness he's um he's basically like this big block with a tiny head and a black suit yeah (laughs) yeah and it's it, it was well done i saw a lot of comments online saying that they didn't think his character was portrayed to give his comic book version like an ode you know an ode yeah 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 but I like the way it was drawn. Like I like the way he was portrayed. What do you think? I I also liked it. It was it was a stylistic in the comic. Yeah, I mean, he looks a little bit more normal in the comics. He's a little less of like this like he has he doesn't have that like hunch that he has in this movie, but personally it didn't bother me. I thought it was just kind of like to make him even more he is expressing on the outside what his inside is. You yeah, know, he is a monster. And, and thus, jarring and dark and yeah and thus he looks monstrous after the uncle dies miles is freaked out and the the other spider people decide that they're gonna leave him behind and they have this nice moment where they acknowledge the loss that he's got they're like we've all had some version of the loss 
And we get all those versions except for Spider-Ham. But, but Spider-Ham doesn't play the moment for laughs, which is pretty brilliant. Because he's probably got a joke version of the death. But instead, he just goes like, it's the hardest part of the job. Like, I like how they played it there. So they all kind of leave Miles behind because he's just not ready. Like, I love this moment where it's just him and Peter B. Parker. Because B. Parker is still trying to train him. Like, he's still trying to get him to step up. He, like, wants him to do the thing right there. But since he can't, he's like, all right, fine. We'll, we'll we have to leave you behind. You know, if you can't do the stuff on command, then you can't do it at all. Also, just quick aside, there's like a weird moment in this film right here where the roommate comes home and they all like have to hide yeah. on the ceiling. They're on like the ceiling, which yeah. is where Miles finds himself the first time he wakes up after being bit by the spider, right? That's oh, yeah, he does kind of do that. Yeah. Uh, and they also That's look, cute. they're shaped like a spider with their limbs. Oh, so I didn't even notice that. Yeah. And they even are like, their limbs are doing really weird things just to kind of make them look like a spider crawling around on the wall. Also, this was another freeze frame moment. The comic that he's reading, his friend is a comic that says it's imagine that, which is a version of the what if comics. So it's an alternate version of the what if comics. And it's like, says what, if, or imagine that more than one spider-man exist and it pictures six different spider people than even the ones we've got so it's yeah. just like this alternate version of the exact thing that he's seeing it's very nice there and they like sneak in some other ver like their spider woman is in there there's like a lucha lore version yeah. of spider-man yeah 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 that one's great. I wouldn't uh, mind seeing that one come to fruition. I know. Bring him in the sequel. Is there going to be a sequel? I think they're working on one. Yeah, yeah, I think they are. I saw something about it somewhere. Yeah. But didn't, side note, I thought uh, Disney now has the rights to Spider-Man. Like Sony finally no, gave it up. No, Sony still has the rights. They just share it with Marvel. They So they've got a deal where they're sharing it. Okay, okay. Well, I personally think that they should yeah. be the only ones to animate it because I cannot see Disney doing this well. Right now, Disney has everything basically except Spider-Man. Like, they have all of the Marvel properties back because they used to not have X-Men and now they have X-Men. And they kind of have everything except for Spider-Man. But who knew Sony Animation could do a movie this good? It's uh, so good. Well, like, they had 180 animators on this project. That's a lot. That's a, a lot. lot animators. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. I don't know what a typical Pixar has, though. It's got to be... Um, oh. Somewhere in the ballpark of 100. Yeah. I know but, someone I can ask. Well, I'll yeah. ask and report back another day. Yeah, it sounds like a lot, though. So we'll just I, kind I, of... I, I'm sorry, but I yeah. want to say that I do know that that is the largest animation team that Sony has ever had for anything. So... Oh, wow. I, I think it's pretty huge. You can like, see it on screen, though. Like... Yeah, you can see it on screen, yeah. Yeah. And you can understand why this movie took three directors. Yeah. Because there's so many animators... There's so many different styles of animation going on. Uh, the fact that the story is so tight, given all of that, is really impressive. So true. Real quick, can you tell, like, what scenes or what director? Because, okay, um, it's not an animated film, but uh, Bohemian Rhapsody had two directors. Yeah. Separate. They didn't, like, collaborate. Right. And you can tell. You can tell? <laughs> yeah, you can tell. Um, <laughs> In this movie, I can't tell except to think that, like, somebody directed the animation behind uh, okay, like Spider-Ham or, like, oh, okay. 
you know, just like the different elements that they've got going on uh, and the different animation styles. Like Penny has her own style and Noir has his own style. And they probably have little pocket teams that have different directions. But other than that, I can't really tell the difference. There's a movie, Cloud Atlas, which has three directors and two of them are the Wachowskis. But like the other one is Tom... Tyquitter, and you can easily tell the difference between who directed what given their past resumes like that's a movie where i can really tell the difference but on this one I, I, yeah i don't know <laughs> i think they collaborated really well yeah they collaborated really well like when i looked that stuff up earlier i was like there was three <laughs> like yeah. like what <laughs> you know it's for me it was hard to believe yeah a little crazy and I, I, yeah and just yeah unusual and a lot of times these animation movies have like like directors fall out and other directors pick up like that happened on brave well, okay. where they had like directors drop out like that's, uh, that's something that can happen because it takes so long and like yeah. I, so that expensive. was another thing i was thinking about i don't i know very little about the direct like behind the camera stuff honestly like i know what everybody does but like directing is like such a big crazy overwhelming job for me and so i can see why a film like this would have three but i can also but i also have trouble figuring out how you would even go about directing an animated film yeah (laughs) that's something also like directing an animated film isn't something i have any kind of hands-on experience with so i it'd be a lot of guesswork in terms of trying to figure out who did what and how they divvied up the work if any of our listeners knows anything about that that would be cool if you could write that down below yeah, you can a little insight you can let us know all right let's fast forward to the end we have a big climax where they all meet in the, the collider again and we just have like actually hold on the most important part of the movie is even before this because miles he kind of meets his his arc he starts to land his arc before the finale right he has a moment to himself his dad gives him a one last pep talk at the door where he like can't he literally can't say anything in return his dad is like trying to tell him that his that was a beautiful shot too yeah where they have him on the two sides of the door uh yeah, that's a really, that's a heartbreaking moment. He's like leaning up against it and he's like, you know, there's a spark in you. And obviously we know he's got spark powers, but it's the moment where he first does things intentionally, right? And he uses both powers intentionally. First, he uses the electricity to like shatter the webbing that he's tied up in. And then he turns invisible to like avoid the roommate. He does both his unique powers very intentionally, which up until this point, he's always done more or less accidentally. And then we have the What's Up Danger montage where he does the jump. He goes up to the highest building he can find this time. And we actually, in this montage, the building that he falls off of the first time, he climbs up. He jumps up the same building. Yeah. Like, and, but through the buildings, yeah? Well, yeah, yeah. He does like a back and forth. Yeah. And we get the, like, yeah. before he fell and there was like the words, ah! And this time he goes up and there's the words, woo! Yeah. Uh, so it's just like the opposite emotion. Like everything's kind of like coming back and building up to this moment where he finally he goes to May and he like picks out one of the spider suits and he spray paints it and he puts his own tagging on it. Um, and doesn't he like put his like hoodie on or something a bit out of the ordinary? Right? Yeah, he wears the hoodie on top of the thing yeah, for some, and he wears tennis shoes. 
Yeah. yeah, I thought that was really cute. It was like it spoke to the fact that he was still a kid. I like he always wears tennis shoes. Also, like in a kind of a comparison to that, Spider Gwen wears ballet shoes, which I didn't catch the first time. I didn't yeah. know. What? Yeah. Yeah, watch it again. She's got like blue ballet shoes on the whole time. It's great. You go girl with your like agile ballerina self. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I like the, the, the hooded version of, of the outfit. That's fun. And, you know, there's just like so many cool things where he's taking advice from both his father, Uncle Aaron, Peter B. Parker. And then during the finale, he even uses his meeting with the original Peter Parker Because he watches Peter Parker deliver, like, almost fix the thing with the goober. And he actually records it. He even, like, in that first scene where he he sees Peter Parker, he pulls out his phone. He's like, "Mm," right? (laughs) Yeah. He, like, like, records it. That's a joke they use a lot throughout the film, too. (laughs) You know, he's a modern kid. He's got the fun. Uh, Yeah, recording and, like, taking a picture. So... And that's like that moment where they, they're like, oh, we taught him that, right? And Gwen's like, we didn't teach him that. And you certainly didn't teach him that. But it's what he he gets from the very first thing that he sees from Peter Parker. And it's kind of referencing that idea that he can just like watch something and learn it and memorize it, right? Like with the password. Yeah. Uh, it's like one of his powers. So crazy. Yeah, crazy fight scene. And he sees everybody off. We get... Kind of a nice wrap up with Gwen Stacy. First, they see off the side characters. Uh, there's too many good moments to list, but there's a lot of good callbacks and just like funny moments during this fight. Doc Ock gets hit by a truck, right? When they're like, this is, I love that setup too. They're like, this is going to take a while. And then she just gets hit by like a flying truck. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was easy. And the animation during this finale is just bonkers with like the different worlds colliding. I like that Peter Parker even comments on it. He's like, it is pretty though. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. Oh, this movie's so endearing. If you haven't seen it, go we'll see it. Yeah. And like Peter B. Parker has that really good final moment where he's still like even now he's still afraid to like go back. And he, he has that moment where he's like, I'm so proud of you. Do I want kids? <laughs> <laughs> I've been in that moment before. <laughs> yeah. And, like, Miles flips around all his lessons on him, right? He does, like, all of the things that Peter B. Parker has done to him to show him up and, like, kind of be sarcastic with him. He turns it all, like, back on him, even, like, the watch the hands bit. And and he throws back out the leap of faith line, which is a great one. I took so many notes here. I feel like I should have written just, like, a dissertation on it. Uh, You, You should have. You guys, he sent me photos of his notes last night and this morning. And it was, like... Yeah, so many so many but that's beautiful i mean this movie more than anything i've ever seen recently calls for that they are like we said they're giving you so much information yeah just given how long we've been doing it i i say let's go ahead and wrap up we're there yeah we're there it's a great movie go watch it if you haven't it's on uh, netflix right now it's on netflix. i do want to say one quick thing that we completely mulled over yeah. and it needed to be said so this was Stan Lee's final voice acting role. How did we forget? I don't know. Because there's too much. There's too much. It's too yeah. much. I didn't forget. I got this. Yeah, you so got mo- it. So a moment for Stan Lee, please. Yeah, his. He's been. He was in the part where. He sells him the suit. He sells him the suit, and he. It's kind of like a joke. Like you got. You got to keep it, whether it fits you or not. You know. Yeah. And then it always um, fits. 
eventually. It yeah, it always fits eventually. Bing. Which okay. they call back that line. Aunt May gives them the web shooters and she goes, uh, I made them myself. They fit perfectly is what she says to them like okay it's such a nice callback and subway yeah so um he it is said that he is placed into every subway that we see show up so uh, it's kind of like where was waldo where stanley i paused um, and found two of them so i found it in the very first subway transition it's going by real quick but you can see him really clearly and then i also found him in the last subway car that we see where Miles is like riding behind it. Yeah, I don't know if he's in all of them because I did I did check like a couple others that I couldn't find him in, but he's he's definitely in some of them. Confirmed. So that's that. We we didn't want to forget that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Not at all. Yeah, I feel like goodness gracious, we could go on about it all day. Oh, hold on, I I, I can't be done ever. No. Um. The I wanted to talk a little bit about just like the tiny issue that I had with the film and they kind of both came up during the end and had to do with the dad. Um, one is like the way he appears at the end in the collider room. There's like a blink and you miss it scene. Oh. Like first he sees the tower, then he's in the ballroom that where like the elevator is. And it's just like, I missed it the first like two times I saw this movie. It's so fast. It's just like, because there's so much other crap going on uh and then he's down below and he watches uh his son as spider-man triumph over kingpin so it was just like one of these things where i was like how did he get there because it's it's just so quick and then there was just the, like a question of does he know that his son is spider-man because he straight up says i love you to him in the outfit yeah and it's just they kind of leave you with this like it's unclear it's the tiniest gripe in the world but it's all i've kind of got um to go off what you were saying about the father i actually felt that throughout the whole movie i was like why are you always in the right place at the right time but you're not the superhero so you're like when you're when your kid falls and like you save him from the street so like yeah. when you uh he was like putting up a sticker somewhere too and he finds him right like yeah yeah <laughs> he yeah, he we cut to him a lot throughout the film. Like, yeah, he's right there when the he finds, like, the uncle, right? Yeah, he, yeah you're right. He, like, his dad has his own superpower, just, like, always being close to the action. Yeah, exactly. Because he's a cop. I guess that's what they that's what they do. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah, and, like, uh, when he does the mural at the end, he stands on his dad's shoulders, just the way mm -hmm. he did on his uncle's shoulders. So it's, like, he's got the two Spider-Man fathers, and then he's got, like, his father and the uncle, who are, like, the cop and the criminal. Like, there's just so much kind of fun going on there. So we actually have some announcements to make. Yeah, take it away. So we are rebranding. Name is being changed across YouTube and then all the other platforms to Views in Paradox. If you like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter or anything like that, it's just going to be an automatic name change. You don't have to, like, go refind us. And then the group is going to stay the same, Movie Club Collective, because we still love the idea of all of us, you know, being collectively interested in this yeah. film for the week and being able to discuss it and share what you guys have to say about it on the show. Um, so that's where you want to go for like really up to the minute updates, up to the minute conversations about the movie and just like silly stuff that we find on the internet that is related to the movie that we post in there. Um, yeah. it's, you know, feel free to post like, feel free to post in that, in that Please, group. Yeah. Um, you know, some of our better, more popular posts have been posted by people who are not me, Rochelle. And yeah. that's, that's something that's nice. Speak up in there. We love to hear what you guys have to say. Uh, where can they find you, Rochelle? You can find me on Instagram at Rochelle Racine, which will be linked down below. And then 
I have a lot on Twitter at RoRochelle, and now I'm on TikTok, and I'm kind of good at it. And you can find me at Rochelle Rochelle. Rochelle Rochelle. I am now. Nice. What about you, John? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at John in Paradox. There's no H in that. Kind of like the show. We're, we're using the in Paradox brand. And uh, until next time, watch more movies.